We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Art Network. Also joining me today is the, the Cats Consideration podcast. Uh, joining me, joining Will, and uh, let's welcome in Jason Pat. Jason, how are you, mate? I am uh, doing all right. I think I'm definitely doing a little better than the Bulls are right now. Obviously a rough <laughs> stretch for our for our boys uh, over these last this last week or so, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm tr- trying to not go off the ledge Uh Definitely doing a little better now than I was in a, during that uh, at the Warriors game because I was at the game. That was the first game I went through this season was the Warriors game and had a few beverages in me, firing <laughs> off some angry tweets. Uh, that that's what will happen when you spend two hundred dollars on three hundred level seats and you watch your team lose by forty two. But uh, I'm doing all right today. Uh, I know another tough game that I today against the Grizzlies. Not that my expectations were super high, but happy to be here and talking to you guys. Uh, I know Rick, Ricky is out. For this week, so that's why I wanted to be able to talk to you guys. I haven't been on with you guys in a while, so I'm glad we can do this crossover episode here. Yeah, for for sure, man. And despite my terrible intro there, uh, Will, how how are you doing, mate? I sort of cut you off there, but hopefully you're doing well or better than you were the other day. I sort of had to talk you off the ledge after that Levine. (laughs) You did have to talk um, me off the ledge, (laughs) and I'm hoping you're going to be able to talk me off the ledge again because I'm. I mean, I'm definitely not spiraling as bad as I was when Zach initially went down. Those um, non-contact knee injuries really freaked me out. Obviously, that was what happened to Derek um, like 10 or 11 years ago now, uh, which is wild to think about. We haven't been good since then. Um, But yeah, it sounds like he's not going to be out for too long, hopefully. Um, I know Lonzo is now also injured, so... Definitely not the greatest streak in terms of wins and losses and then also just health, but uh, we're, we're still hanging in there. Thank, thankfully, we banked a, bun- a bunch of wins early on in the season that still have us in a good position. Yeah, for sure. That, and that's the irony of this. What the, the Bulls have lost four games if, in a row, if I'm not mistaken, maybe five of their last six if I'm doing the math correctly, which is probably wrong. But they're still atop of the East somehow. Like you, you look at the standings, and none of these teams want to take over. I suppose, and m- most notably the Nets. Like the Bulls, obviously got pants by the Nets last week, um, and then you know obviously got demolished by the Warriors as well. But 
for whatever reason, part of it, I guess, is the, the fact that the Bulls have banked these wins, but also like the teams around them aren't necessarily trying to do anything to get past them. And now, you know, the Nets have their own injury problems with Kevin Durant sort of thing. And, and Kyrie, after today's game, confirmed that he's not going to get vaccinated at all this season. So unless the rules change in New York uh, or wherever, really, like uh, wherever those rules are implemented, um, he won't be playing most of the season. I guess or we'll be playing half of the season. So it, it is odd. And maybe that's the perspective that we need to take in terms of talking ourselves off the ledge, that despite all the things going poorly for the Bulls, uh, you know, teams like the Nets and those around them aren't necessarily, you know, surpassing the Bulls. But having said that, Jason, like the Bulls have got the Cavs up next and then they've got the Bucks after that. So it doesn't necessarily get much easier. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about teams making moves, the Cavs actually have been making a move. They're up, I think they're a game and a half behind the Bulls now. And like the yeah. Sixers before losing today, they got smoked by the Wizards. The, the Sixers had won like nine of ten. So like those two teams have kind of been coming up. The Cavs, fascinating team, how good they are with all their young guys, uh, with Larry Markin in there. But I mean, <laughs> Darius Garland has been amazing. Uh, and they're just with Mo, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. They're just going to be really tough. I mean, any team right now that with the Bulls, the way they're playing without Zach, without Lonzo, without Crusoe. We'll see if Crusoe comes back. Sounds like he might be back against the Cavs on Wednesday. But even then, like, just because that matchup is kind of brutal with their bigs and with Garland playing so well. Like, I guess it'd be nice if Crusoe's back because Garland has just been so good. Uh, but yeah, Cavs next, Bucks after that. Like, this week, not getting any easier. Uh, it's just been so ugly. Like I'm talking about, like talking off the, talk, trying to talk myself off the ledge. It's just been more difficult just because they've been getting destroyed. Losing games is fine. Like the Celtics game they lost the other day was brutal just because they lost it in like the last minute or two. But like at least the effort was there. They played them well all game. Like that was the kind of effort you like to see. The, all the other losses lately, they got smoked by the Mavericks, destroyed by the Nets, embarrassed by the Warriors. Tonight was against the Grizzlies. They mostly got smoked. So it's like. I know they're missing all these guys and you just have to keep reminding yourself of that. But when you're like down by 20, 30 points, like in all these games, it's like, it just makes you think like wonder just like, like where, like, will they be able to find it again? And we just have to, we just have to be patient. Like we just have to keep talking ourselves into being patient. It probably will not get better this week. But then after these <laughs> couple games and they play the Cavs, they play the Bucks, schedule softens up a bit at the end of the month. So I'm trying to talk myself. Hopefully Zach comes back. Hopefully this Lonzo injury is not bad because we heard today that he was flying back to Chicago to get like a, a checkup with a doctor. Hopefully that's nothing. And if they get Crusoe, Lonzo, Zach back, at the end of the month they could go on another winning streak. It's just tough right now because when you're just getting your ass beat like on the regular, it's it's really tough to stay optimistic. It is really hard to to keep watching them just get smacked by 20 plus points um but i think the one thing that i'm thinking about a lot is like we knew this was going to be a really tough stretch right like you know all these i think they played um they're they've just finished up a stretch of five games in seven days uh seven yeah. games in 11 days they're all against teams that i think are at least 500 or better with the exception of the pistons so they're playing a ton of games in a short amount of time against really good teams. I also think that we're probably seeing a little bit of regression to the mean in terms of like they were playing probably a little bit over their head early on in the season. DeMar, Granted, all DeMar healthy, sure. but DeMar is has yeah. dropped off maybe like 10% of what he was playing. Yeah. Zach's obviously gone. The defense has really, I think, taken a step back. And obviously, no Caruso, no Lonzo hurts there. But um, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. And right now we're seeing probably hopefully the worst of it um so hopefully it will sort of bounce back up to 
a level that may not be quite as good as they were playing um, at their best, but certainly not as bad as they're playing now. Yeah, for sure. And like so much can change in in the span of a week to the point like you you just look at the Bulls defensive rating as a as a key indicator of like it's the 18th of Jan where I am in 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 this part of the world, but like literally a week ago Jan 11, they were ninth in defensive rating. Like Jan 18 now, exactly 7 days later they've fallen down to 19th. So like it's amazing how quickly things can change even though we're halfway through the season at this point. Like it's a large sample, like a few terrible games and things can flip pretty quickly and obviously they've had a few terrible games and and that's why it has uh, I guess flipped so fast. But um you know, it it is encouraging that Caruso hopefully will be back at some point this week, but I guess Whilst the Levine injury looked bad, but as seemingly, I guess the noise around that is that it's not, he's not expected to miss significant time. I, I, maybe you guys can correct me, but I haven't heard anywhere or seen anywhere as to what that actually means as to what significant time is. Like that's semantics to a degree and you can read into it. But I, I, have you guys seen anything? Right now, that? I was actually just going to ask that. Like, does that yeah. mean like, obviously he's not out like, probably not out as long as like Katie is he's out what four to six weeks but is this like yeah is this like he's back this week or is he out like a couple weeks for sure it certainly looked bad when it happened and, and I was because I was at the Warriors game on Friday and in the first couple minutes there and that's like cat walks right off the court non-contact I mean you just always really worry about that it was just like oh he's no structural damage won't miss significant time but yeah like is he going to be back Friday, like Wednesday, Friday, or is he going to be out all week? We'll, we'll see. I guess like it's definitely good news, obviously, no matter what, that no structural damage. But I mean, if he's still out for a couple more weeks or even like the rest of the month, I mean, that does make things a lot tougher, even with the schedule mm-hmm. easing up a bit. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything else on that. It sounds like um, they're supposed to reassess him early this week. Um, so hopefully we'll hear some good news maybe by the time you all are listening to this podcast. Um but yeah, I mean, I just think like the Bulls have had so much bad luck with injuries um, over the course of the season. But again, during the stretch, it's just like it's really hard for me to evaluate them objectively with everything that's gone on in terms of health um, and just like the especially the stretch of the schedule has been so tough. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk about that because look, I, don't, I can't even remember the last time we talked. Well, it was obviously last week. Was it after the Nets game or before the Nets game? Yeah, it was right after um, the Nets game. We were trying to have the, yeah, <laughs> the same right. conversation yeah. of like, God, this yeah, is yeah, awful. Yeah, like, where, where do we go from here? No, I, I had blocked that out of my mind, but it's all coming back to me now that now that we, we've brought it up. But um, yeah, I think I, I went on record on the last show and said that they were going to beat the Warriors. Obviously, that did not occur. <laughs> but um, I guess what I want to talk about more generally, because I've sort of seen this narrative or this rhetoric sort of form online at least, and, and maybe this isn't a, a good representative sample size of the fan base. It's, you know, judging or, or, or equating what a few people are saying to the entire fan base is maybe wrong of me. But it kind of feels like we're letting maybe a week or two of bad performances here dictate the narrative about this Bulls team as a, as a contender or at least their status as a contender. Um, so maybe I thought we could just have a, just a general open conversation about about that fact. Like has the last week and specifically the performances against the Nets um, and, and even the Warriors, like obviously Zach goes down, but they were absolutely dominated by the Warriors irrespective of that. But like, should we be feeling differently about this Bulls team post those games? I know a lot of people have maybe uh, felt differently about them now, whether it's, you know, I expect the national media types to maybe do that, um, given the confirmation bias that most of them had prior to the season about this Bulls team. But 
just the fan base in general, like in terms of conversations around what this team should be post the deadline even, like should should we be feeling differently about them as a contender? Like I said, I've I was firing off some tweets during that Warriors game, and like I was today, I was I, I went, like in in real time during the game, uh, like you get, you get kind of excited, you get you get angry, probably say some stupid stuff. Like trying to think about it, like I wrote something for Forbes the other day that like I still think like that they can be all right. Like like we've seen them when healthy, we've seen them be elite on both ends of the court, even if they aren't quite maybe as good as they were early in the season. But when they've had Lon. Lonzo and Crusoe in the backcourt when they've had Zach healthy I mean, we were they're down Javante and Derrick Jones they're down so many guys right now like we've seen them beat good teams uh I know some of the circumstances of some of the wins like other teams were missing some guys too but like so we've seen them play well we've seen them play well on both ends of the court so I still think like that they can still beat anybody as long as they have most of their guys if they can go into this series in the Eastern Conference where I feel like a lot of these teams are super similar I know in a series if like the Nets do have KD Kyrie Harden, even if Kyrie's a part-time player, like I'm still, I'm picking the Nets in that series. Same with the Bucks. Like I'm looking at it where like the Nets and Bucks are probably clear favorites, but like if some things go right, the Bulls would have a chance. Similar with like the Sixers and Heat, and like the Cavs are tough. I mean, the Cavs are looking really good. Like I wouldn't say like I'd I'd be like feel great about the Bulls beating those teams, but I think they could, and like I think they absolutely could like contend with any of these teams and beat them. I do. I am starting to get a bit more concerned about the defense overall. I know. Again, so many guys out, but uh, like it, there are just some, some concerns there. I do have some the concerns about Vooch, which uh, like I mean, he was especially bad today, and like a lot. I know Vooch is the easy whipping boy. I know Mark, you have defended Vooch, and like I've, I, and I don't, I don't want to go over the edge either with him. Like he, we know his value, and like we know, like if you take Vooch out, and it's like, and we get a lot of Tony Bradley or like these other guys, like that's a big problem. But like, I mean, like Vooch's game today, two of thirteen from the field. He was really bad today. He did play pretty well against against the Celtics. That last minute or two aside, I do have my concerns about him in a in a tough playoff series. I do. I am somewhat worried about Demar and this regression. Like maybe this is just a blip for him. But like he was carrying a huge load to start the season. Will he be able to find that juice again once the other guys get back? Hopefully. So like, I've maybe come down a little bit. We like we were definitely seeing red. Me and Ricky for sure, and a lot of people <laughs> were seeing red big time when. A week or two ago when they were top of the East, 15, 16 games uh, above 500 or whatever, and they were just looking really good. The defensive slippage is something to w- the monitor when they, when all these guys get back. And then uh, just we'll see how Vooch and DeMar kind of hold up over the course of the rest of the season. And obviously, we'll see if they make any moves. The trade deadline's, what, three weeks away now. We'll see what they do there. If they do continue to struggle, that might alter their outlook there at the deadline. But uh, so, yeah, I'm still pretty high on this team. But these last couple of games have just have made it tough and just had me at least have some, I think, more concerns as the season goes on as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, I want to take that last point that you noted there and, and flip it over to Will in terms of if for whatever reason the performances continue to, to dwindle a little bit, like how does that change the Bulls' philosophy or, or approach heading into the trade deadline? And look, obviously, I know, Will, in our conversations, you've been very keen to um, to see the Bulls make a trade for a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes or insert whatever 3-4 uh, hybrid wing you want to you see the Bulls chase. But, I mean, in terms of what we're seeing now, does this sort of reinforce your position or maybe even maybe weaken your stance that you previously had? Like, How has this, this run here over the last couple of weeks changed change your perspective, if, if at all? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because you can – I think there's an argument to be made either way. But I think 
you know, and every team has dealt with injuries and COVID to some capacity. But I think one of the things that um, people were really skeptical about the Bulls in terms of offensive fit with DeRozan and Levine coming into the season was that it just like wasn't going to work to have two ISO heavy mid range guys like fighting against math for this entire season. And, you know, that's fair, but I just kind of figured that it would be more of like a egalitarian offense and the incredible shot making and scoring of those two guys in particular would just become nearly impossible to defend. And so I do really think that um, some of DeMar's struggles over the last little bit has just been the fact that there isn't enough talent around him. I mean, we saw it all like last four years with Levine where like, obviously he's an incredible scorer and player, but since he didn't have a ton of talent around him, it made him look bad. Um, so I, I still think once they get healthy, it will look different. And, and to me that kind of makes it feel like, yeah, they should go after more talent because the more talent they have on the roster, the more that talent is like elevating each other and, I think you just have like this sort of compounding element of playing more than the sum of their parts. So you bring in Jeremy Grant. Now it makes Zach that much better, which helps Damar that much more. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people I've like been posting some trades and just like trying to stir up conversation on Twitter about like what kind of trades the bull should make. And I know there's a ton of skepticism about moving off of Pat and Kobe. Um, So maybe you know, you can make the same argument about going for Tory Craig or Nick Batum or Marcus Morris or Larry Nance or whatever it may be. Um, and that could be true. But I think at the end of the day, the more talent they have, the better shot they're going to have. Um, I agree that they're probably like a half step below a half or a full step below, like the Nets Warriors bucks of the world. Um, and I think that if they can get somebody like Jeremy Grant, maybe now they're just like a half step below and, when you're there, I think you can compete in a seven-game series. Anything is possible. Yeah, and look, what I keep coming back to is the fact that, you know, they're maybe their best five, their closing five, um, if you want to include Vooch in this, which, you know, seems tenable at the moment given how, <laughs> how up and down he's been. Um, but like a, line, a five-man lineup of Vooch, Caruso, uh, Lonzo, Levine, and Demise play 95 minutes this season, which, you know, I know every team has had lineup issues because of COVID, because of injuries, whatever it may be. But to be 42, 43 games into the season, whatever it is, and to have your best five-man lineup only playing 95 minutes together, like that that's significant. And not only is that like a, a small sample, 95 minutes, but that's just the Bulls' second most played lineup. So it's not like they've had a ton of other lineups that they could really go to and, um, and, and utilize. So they've, they've sort of been patching together lineups all season whether it was the big COVID stuff in, in December or the injuries that we're sort of facing now. So, like, that's that's one aspect that I keep coming back to. But what's been very clear to me over the last couple of weeks is this team's margin for error is just very small compared to, you know, your Bucks or your, your Nets or whoever it may be or your Warriors even. Like, if you don't have that top five guy, you know, you need things to be going basically at, at a perfect level for you to, to be at that contender status. And I, and I still feel they are. But your margin, your margin of error is just a lot, you know, 
greater than what those teams are because you can't kick the ball to a Durant who can just take over a game and just win it by himself or a Giannis or a Jokic or whoever it may be. So like that matters to me. And, and if anything, that like that's reinforced to me that they have to do something big at the deadline because of the points you just made there, Will. Like if you don't have that 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 clear talent upgrade that's that the balls just seemingly don't like with the Durant or whatever it may be, like you need to bolster your the rest of your roster to hopefully mitigate those sorts of things. So for me, if, if anything, it's kind of emboldened my stance about going for it at the trade deadline. So uh, I, I'm assuming maybe some fans feel differently now, given that um, given what we've witnessed over the last few games, and maybe they want to hang on to the younger guys. And I completely get it, but at, at the same time, like. Um, I was looking at um, box scores and, you know, when Caruso has gone out, like Caruso went out, I think, game 29 of the season, something like that, game 29 or game 30. And, and that's basically when Kobe started to get it together. So we haven't really even seen Kobe, uh, Caruso and Io as a as a backcourt tandem off the bench together. So there's still, we still haven't learned a lot about this Bulls team, to be fair. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, we've all obviously talked about the same names about the trade deadline. But for me, it's just reinforced the, the, the previous stance that I had. Just, just, just go for it now. Go for it now. I imagine that's AK's perspective too. Like he hasn't shown any interest in taking a step back, um, you know, barring any major injury to Levine or Alonzo. I can't imagine that would be the case. And I think to your point, Mark, the depth is something that I think the Bulls lack more than some of these other teams. And so when you're missing all these guys, now you're playing like, you know, maybe a handful of your starters, but mostly bench players and third stringers coming in against starters and second string guys. So I think it just like looks a little bit worse than it is. No. Yeah. I was, I, I mean, with the depth, like I feel like the bulls depth isn't horrible. Like if we look at like a play, like a top eight or nine, like they've, they're just missing so many damn guys right now. Like it's, it's brutal. But if you did make a trade for like a Jeremy Grant, I feel like that just would really help with the versatility as well with matchups. If that's something they do look at, like was with the Vooch thing, like everyone hates Vooch right now. He's still better. He's still important. He's not going anywhere. But like in a playoff series, if there are times where you like, if he's getting played off the floor and you have like Jeremy, Jeremy Grant there instead, like maybe you do play him as the five. I know he's not a good rebounder, but if you do make a tra- uh some type of moves here to all in moves, like to just add to the talent level, as you said, Will, just like add the versatility so you can go with these different lineups. Cause we, we do that five man lineup, Mark, you mentioned. It's a lineup we all talked about before the season we thought would be their best, would be their closing lineup. But if there are times, depending on who they're playing, if they need to throw different looks out there, making a trade like that would help. And with Pat, like, uh, if we want to talk more about Pat, like, I've been pretty fine with trading him because he just hasn't, like, shown enough for me yet where I think he's going to, like, be, like, a big-time contributor in the next couple seasons. I mean, maybe he could be. Like, I, I hate putting ceilings, ceilings on guys, but, like, he was okay last year for, for like his age. He was obviously very young. And then this year, hurt before, hurt in training camp, was invisible his first few games, and now hurt again. Like, is he really going to come back and like do anything this season? Like, I don't, just don't think you can really expect that. And then next season, like, I mean, maybe he does take a leap, but it's just like hard to envision him in the next, in this like window of the team this season, next season, him being like a big time player, which is why I've been fine moving off of him and I'm still fine doing that even with this rough stretch like as long as they get their guys back and start winning some games again leading up to the deadline if they go like full like tank mode over like leading up to the deadline obviously that would change my opinion but as long as they kind of bounce back here after this rough stretch uh I'd still probably be in for that type of move uh it seems like you guys are as well Mark yeah I'm definitely of the view that they need to to make a move and and Patrick Williams is probably there 
their best trade asset, or at least that's what I assumed. Maybe that's not the case anymore. And, yeah, and I say yeah. that because Io is just being freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> he's just been that damn good. We saw it again against the Grizzlies. He was awesome against the Celtics. I mean, he's been great all, all season, to be fair. But as he's gotten a, a bit of a, an extended run here in, in, a, in a larger role, he's been doing some really nice stuff. I mean, Will, you tweeted out his stats earlier today. Like, he was three blocks shy of a, of a five-by-five game in his 38th game of his career, which is just nuts. So I, I would actually be comfortable keeping Patrick Williams if he had shown the flashes that we've seen from right. Io, to be frank, right. and, and 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 more than the flashes. Like it's probably more a mentality thing that I keep coming back to with with Patrick Williams, and this is something that we were all talking about. You know, the the second half of his rookie season, but it and, and it's not just like being more aggressive and ta- and taking more shots. It's not, right. it's not necessarily about that. It's just just the mindset and approach to the game, like. Sometimes Patrick Williams goes missing in games and you never get that with Io. So like if, if, if Williams had an Io mentality, if I just want to sum it up in that way, I would feel very comfortable in keeping Pat, but I, I haven't seen, I've seen zero of that. So I'm wondering at this point with Io playing so well, even Kobe playing this well, like if, if they're more valuable to teams than, than Patrick Williams. Man, that's a good question. I don't know because I feel like there's still like so much theoretical. Uh, potential there with Pat just because he like looks the part because he's whatever six eight six nine his body's got those tree trunk thighs and he just like looks like he should be a really damn good player and like the way he sometimes moves on the court like I, I hate the Kawhi Leonard comparisons but you can like kind of see like the way he moves sometimes like obviously he's that stuff is ridiculous but like, you can kind of see it so you, you get the idea of the potential he's still so young he's what 20 so you see the idea of it it's just like, like you said there's just too often or he just goes totally missing uh or there's record scratches or just like he just isn't making an impact on the on the boards either like he was averaging like he only was only five games but i think he was at like two rebounds a game in the five games he played like that's just not enough from your starting power forward uh and he just doesn't get a, a shots like his defense and his defense is like good he's shown decent flashes of times of being a solid defender but like i wouldn't call him like a lockdown guy like already or anything like that so like there's just like it's just so much speculation with him that he could end up being really good i don't want to say he's like not only gonna he's just gonna be a guy but you do kind of worry about like the mentality stuff will he develop uh i know this is like meatball like killer instinct stuff but there, i mean there's something to it if a guy just like doesn't have it uh, you worry about him developing into that type of just like high impact player in high leverage moments. And again, I, I just don't really see that happening in the next couple of years with him. Maybe it does. Maybe he surprises everybody. If they do, like if they keep Patrick Williams, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to be like mad if they don't trade him, but like, I definitely have my skepticism about him. And like, and looking at a guy like Io, like I am shocked at how good he's been. I, I mean, I watched him in Illinois. I'm an Illinois guy and he was a killer at Illinois, fearless, but like, I just didn't really know if he would translate to the NBA because he's not the, not the best athlete, anything like that. But, I mean, he's uh, been improving offensively. We've seen him make the impact defensively. And I think that's just huge, being able to make that de- that impact on both ends of the court with him. Uh, and then even Kobe as well. Like Kobe has shot the ball really well lately. He's at least trying a bit harder defensively. I feel like he's still, obviously, I think is, I don't want to say a liability. I don't think he's any good defensively, but... Not as bad as he used to be. Uh, he's shown some playmaking flashes of late as well, too. So, like, I don't know. I would still guess Pat is still probably their biggest chip just because he's so young. Dra- the, the draft pedigree. Uh, but, I mean, these other guys are making making a case. And it will be interesting to see what the how the Bulls use those guys at the deadline here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think there's a couple points I want to reiterate from last week, which is like, if you trade Pat, this is not like giving up on Pat. It's it's like similar right. to the Wendell thing, because yes. I think they have like, like Pat has a little like Wendell mentality. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't think I'm the first to say that. But um, yes. yeah, it's like, you don't just say like, I would rather have Wendell and Franz Wagner, Wagner, however you say it. Um, than Vooch this year because like it just doesn't work that way like Wendell was not going to develop into the player that he is now if he stayed on the Bulls um and so yeah when Pat gets traded to the Raptors and turns into like Kawhi it's (laughs) it wouldn't have happened the same way on the Bulls and I think ultimately it just comes down to like do you think there's a a way that you can win during this DeMar contract because really like the the pushback that I hear about it is like, yeah, well, then you like mortgage the future. And I think Pat will be like a major contributor. You know, he's so young, all this stuff. That could all be true. I think it probably is true. But like, if you wait until Pat is at a level where he's like really contributing on a, you know, high level team, that's like what, age 25, 26, entering his prime. That's five, six years from now. Like, Damar's going to be 38. I don't think like you have time to wait for that. So it's a question of like, how all in do you want to go? Um, and how soon do you want right. to do it? Because it has to be during this DeMar contract because, you know, he's just going to be too old by the time Pat is like really ready to go. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's the funny thing to me. And look, I, I wasn't the biggest IO guy at the draft. Obviously, people have made that very clear to me and keep reminding <laughs> me of that all the time. Not to say that uh, I thought he was going to be a bad player, but I just didn't think he was going to be a high ceiling guy. And and it Same. looks like I'm wrong. Like, it looks like I'm wrong. Like, he every game, every other week, it looks like he's seemingly adding something to his game that makes him look better. Like, I didn't think his three-point shot would be here in his rookie season. And now I'm just every time he gets open in a corner a corner uh, three-point attempt, I, I just feel like it's going down every single time. I, I don't know what his percentages are there, but I'm going to assume it's like 45%. That's what it feels like at least. So, like, I don't think it is insane to, to, to say that Io through 40-odd games or 38 games he's played um, in his rookie season has been more productive in those 30-odd games than Patrick Williams was in 70-odd games in, in his rookie season. Maybe some will disagree, but, like, that's how... That's how I feel about it at this point. And I would assume that Io is just going to continue continue to get better. So maybe maybe let's keep talking about Io because there's not a lot of positives at the moment. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be both be or we'll all be banging on about uh, Patrick Williams as we get closer to the deadline. But in terms of Io, his upside, what he's doing at the moment, like, Maybe we can have a conversation about what he's what he's doing at the moment, and how he he's maybe continuously just sort of rewriting what his trajectory may be as an uh, as a as a prospect sort of thing. So, 
what is his upside? Uh, is it is it a high level role guy? Does he have star upside? Like, who are potential comparisons to I that we can make if any of them make sense at all? He's kind of like this hybrid guard, which and there's not a lot of those comps in the NBA necessarily. But I don't know what is his upside. What are what are there some some of the comparisons we can make to this dude? I would be surprised with I would I don't know if I could go star upside again. I don't I don't like capping ceilings, but I don't know if he has enough like offensive like off the dribble play and like playmaking juice to be like a star but like he could probably be i would say starter upside and like high end role player like i'm trying to think of like who you could compare him to like i mean he's already like way like obviously like marcus smart has been a high level role player for a long time but he's probably a better shooter than that right now i mean marcus smart's like never shot 40 percent or like something like that like his three-point shooting has always been kind of ass that just kind of, that was like one of the first names that came to mind. I'd have to think look a lot more, but just like a high, I think high end role player is something that is probably seems safe to say that he should be. So maybe that's not even a ceiling, but like like just like a really good starter. Like I said, I think a star is still probably a bit too much, but uh, I mean he's definitely proving that he can be a difference making player on both ends. Uh, defensively, using his, just his length, his instincts have been pretty good. I mean, would he have what five steals stay in like three block, two or three blocks? Yeah, I thought he did an admirable job on John Morant today. Like, I just ended up having a pretty nice game, but like at least earlier in the game, he was pretty disruptive. Uh, so yeah, high end role player, solid starter. Like I said, I think I think star still a little bit too much, but uh, will do you do you do you see higher for Io? Like I I I'm, I feel crazy like not being like even more of an Io guy as an Illinois guy. But <laughs> maybe I'm just I'm still a little skeptical, even though he was so good at Illinois and a star there for sure. But uh, maybe this is still my skepticism of coming into the league coloring me. And he still had I mean he did have there were a couple games before these last few where he really didn't do anything, and there, there have been some times where he has quiet games. But I mean the last two were uh, stuffing the stuffing the stat sheet and just really awesome. Yeah, I think he um there's some there's some things that he does already at a really impressive level. I know he's like a little bit older, I think 22. Um and so I think 22 today, I believe. Yeah, there you go. Um <laughs> Happy birthday, Io. Happy birthday. <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know if it's like necessarily a fair one-to-one comparison with Pat because like I think the expectation for Io is that like he becomes sort of that like role player, maybe a starter level but like more of an off ball guy. Whereas Pat is like 20 years old, still super raw, has like the, the physical tools to become somebody who's like, you know, a high level impact player at the most important position. Um, so, so I do think it's a little different, but, um, yeah, I mean, the defense has been so impressive. I, I know he was like very much an on ball, like, you know, creator, at Illinois and and Jay, I would love to hear more about like your opinion on whether that can translate because I think for me the two things that I'm still skeptical about as far as like him leveling up from somebody who's like sort of a a three and D type of you know smaller guard who can guard like point of attack really well and then maybe switch out a little bit um, is his I, I want to see more volume on his three point shooting because he's still super low I think he's like at one three per game and and i think you're right mark he's like shooting above 40 percent, so that's awesome um i want to see more of that and the other thing is just like tightening up his handle i think he lets the ball kind of like squirt out every once in a while and um you know his touch isn't greater on the rim sometimes so i think if he can get like really focused on that um and developing some of the the on ball stuff like billy has been running him at point guard 
um, to end the game if it's like garbage time or whatever. And I want to see more of that because if you can add some more creation, I think that really like opens up more upside for him because right now I think sort of star in your role Tibbs level like role player would be great and I think totally possible. But those are sort of like the things that I think he can do to to break that ceiling and get up to a kind of a different level of player. Yeah, to your point about just like watching Illinois, I think, that, and that's what that's I think why the skepticism of him coming in as like a high ceiling NBA player. Again, he was, I mean, he was a pretty big guard, and so like in college, he could always shoot over guys. He could always get to his like mid range spots, clutch killer, just drill those shots. But like against like really tough defense. Sometimes that issues getting with the shake and just like doesn't really have that explosiveness off the dribble. Maybe not the most natural passer as a point guard. I mean, he's not bad. He's, I mean, would he had 10 assists against the Celtics and if he, he's shown a bit more lately. So like, that's why I, I would agree. That's why I think that's somewhat limits him. Uh, but he has shown some nice, some nice, like mid, I mean, the mid range stuff is pretty good from him. Uh, I feel like his finishing has gotten better. I know earlier in the season he was getting blocked all the time, but I feel like he's gotten a little better, uh, avoiding that more lately and finishing a bit better. Uh, so yeah, I, I would agree. I would just from watching Illinois for sure. That was my big question. I was like, how could he handle like physical, like just really hard nosed point of attack defense? Cause we like his last college game, Illinois at Loyola just played him really hard and they shut him down. And there were some other games where he struggled against like high level defensive players, but I mean, he's showing, I feel like already a bit more than I expected on that front so far. How much more you can show, I'm not totally sure, but uh, I, I mean, I've just been totally shocked by how good he's been already. So it's been, what, what what he's given us so far, what he's given the Bulls has been a huge plus and a huge surprise, which has been awesome. Yeah, I completely agree, and and I'm I'm terrible comps to be honest with you, and and yeah, it always so gets it always gets tough because like it's everyone has a different opinion of, of what a comparison should be. Like, should it be 95% of this player? Or, you know, if this player doesn't have this aspect of it, of, of you know, the comparison that you're making in terms of a skill set, but has, you know, most other things, is, is that still a fair comparison? So, I don't know. Everyone's got their own idea of what a, a comp should, should entail. But for me, like, if Chris Dunn learned how to shoot uh, not be a bad uh, foul drawing maniac and and just didn't turn over the ball as much as he did, then that's kind of what I would expect him to look like in terms of I would expect him to look like Io, I guess. So like I know maybe that's not a a fun comparison to make because Chris Dunn's <laughs> name sucks. comes with a lot of connotations, <laughs> but like the player that I hoped Chris Dunn could have emerged into is maybe the player that I think Io can be now, which is that super role playing guy. So and. and Again, I don't want to limit Aya or, or say that um, or, or, or it be, again, a connotation that being a high-level role player is somehow not a good thing because it's not. It's, it's a great thing. Like, if you can get that guy at uh, the 38th pick, like, that's yep. that's really awesome. But to be fair, I just don't think there are. I've got a lot of good comps out there for Aya because he's not a real on-ball guy. So, he it's always strange comparing him to, to point guards, but he's not really your lead creator wing type either. So, he, I wouldn't compare him to... to you know, a Jimmy Butler or a Zach Levine type player either because I, I wouldn't want the ball in his hands in those sorts of key pick and roll sorts of situations. So he's a bit of an oddity in a sense and we'll see what he develops into. But nonetheless, to your point, Jason, he's just been, um, he's been outrageously good and, and exceeding all expectations. But maybe we can take the conversation to a point now where I don't really want to go 
but um, maybe swing things away from a player who's been exceeding expectations to one who um, has certainly not met expectations, and that, and that is Vucevic. So we have to have a, a bigger conversation about Vuce. Unfortunately, we're halfway through the season at this point. You, you, you referenced it before, Jason, that I am a I have been a Vuce defender, and I still will be to a certain degree. But at some point, the sample grow, the sample size grows larger and. You know, he has a good game, then he'll have, a you know, two stinkers. Uh, we saw a great game against the Celtics and then we just saw, I don't know what the hell he was doing in, in Memphis tonight. He was playing more defense on Twitter, you know, defending uh, Novak Djokovic <laughs> than he was uh, in the first half there against the Grizzlies. So, I mean, what what the hell are we doing with Vuce here? What, what, what are we going to do with Vuce? I mean, we, we just assume that he's going to remain here past, past the deadline. But, I mean, is that is that guaranteed? Like, uh, is that set in stone? I don't know. But... I guess it's, you know, for me, in, in order to be uh, objective about the matter and, and uh, maybe I'm reacting here to a, f- a few people calling me uh, the, the ultimate uh, Vooch apologist, but, you know, we have to have a conversation about him, I guess. And uh, maybe I'm at the point now where I'm prepared to have that conversation, but uh, very open-ended question, but, w- but what the hell is happening with Vooch? Dude, it's so weird. Like, he is shooting... I think it's a career low on field goal percentage. He's shooting 44% oh, yeah. from the field. Like he yeah. can't make a two foot bunny. It's just like at a certain point, I just feel like he's missing shots. But um, on the TNT broadcast today, Stan Van Gundy was just like ripping him to shreds, especially in the first half yeah. because, you know, he was pretty slow on defense. Like the last play of the first half, he just got back cut for a dunk basically at the buzzer. Um I just it it's so weird to me how he's sort of like completely it's like the monsters came and took his abilities. It's like <laughs> I, I just like don't understand it. However, I think yeah, I think back to that conversation we had with Stefan Mark about just like the opportunity cost of like we have this we have this time now, we have a window and we can't really afford to let Vooch not playing well affect it. Um I still think that like in theory he provides pretty much exactly what the Bulls need out of a center and at a level that like you can't really go out and get at the trade market. Like people have talked right. about Miles Turner or Sabonis or whatever. Like he's basically a, a three level guy that like can shoot threes, can post up and can play make in short roll out of pick and roll. Like we need all three of those things in order for this team to be good. And like barring, Jokic or Cat or Embiid coming, which like obviously there's a zero percent chance of that happening. It, it's just like there isn't a guy who can who can fill those three categories the way he can. So I think in theory they kind of need him. Um, but I mean at this point it's just like the good games that he's have have been the anomalies, right? Like by far more bad than good this year. Um, and maybe that's a good reason that you do go out and get like a Jeremy Grant type who can play five like you were saying jason like if he's just like totally unplayable at the end of games like you need to go to somebody else right now they don't have another option right there especially without Derek jones and pat yeah i mean yeah you can not be playing tony bradley in like high leverage minutes at this point uh yeah it's just like he just can't string any good games together like he was pretty good against the celtics again last minute or two aside when he bricks in wide open three bad turnover bad foul but then, like, it's just, yeah, just, like, up, down, up, down. Just can't put any consistency together. And the and one big problem with Vooch is definitely that just, like, when he looks bad, he looks 
bad. And we always see that when they, we, they talk about drop coverage. And I know, I feel like, Mark, you are just always really against that that kind of stuff because it's like, oh, it's all on Vooch, it's all on Vooch. Because when Bulls get beaten, pick and roll, a lot of it looks like it's Vooch playing bad. And sometimes it is. Uh, not all the time, but like, he can just look bad. If they're getting torched in pick and roll, and when he's missing those bunnies or just like bricking wide open threes, he just looks so bad when when it happens. Today, it was legitimately awful. I mean, that was probably his worst game of the season. It's a like 2 of 13 from the field. He did have a few, like, stat stuffing stuff with, like, steals and blocks. But I feel like he was just a total train wreck today. And there's and there have just been too many games like that. But, like, like you guys have said, like, like theoretically, like, he is a ver- still a very versatile player. He's still a great passer, uh, although he – Butterfingers today and some of these other games, but and then he's he's a good rebounder still defensively. Like he, I feel like he does his job pretty well for what he is. Again, I think we've seen some of his flaws come lately, especially without the good perimeter defenders there to kind of put more pressure on him. When there is that not as much ball pressure, Vooch can be taken advantage of him in that drop, and we've seen that plenty. And when the rotations aren't as good, we've seen that. But yeah, like I don't know who you're trading. Like you're not, they're not, they're not going to trade him this season. I'd be absolutely shocked. Like I just don't know who you're bringing in that's going to make an impact. I mean, Miles Turner is completely average. I mean, he's a, obviously a good rim protector, but like offensively, as much as he apparently he wants to be like some big time star, he's not. Sabonis is super talented, even better pass than Vooch, but he can't shoot threes and he's not going to really give you much on defense either. Like, I mean, who else other like centers are even out there that you would trade for that you would feel comfortable putting there instead of Vooch right now? Like, you just have to live with some of these bad games. When the Bulls did have their other guys, like Vooch was a really nice connector on offense, was playing decent enough defensively. You just, I think that is the, I think with the trades, like that is a key. You just need to be able to be able to play smaller and without him if he is going bad because I, I definitely am worried about him just having a c- complete couple like a couple cu- yeah, a couple dud games that that lose them playoff games could lose them series if he has a couple of these just wretched games so like having the ability to downsize or just having somebody else there if he is going bad I think could be very important for sure yeah and and the reason why I defended Vooch so much is in part because of what, all the things you mentioned there were like what he brings to the offensive table and, and why that's really important to this team. But like it's it's super important for a player like DeMar who's not going to give you a lot of, you know, high volume three-point shooting. And we already know the Bulls are, uh, you know, one of the the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA in terms of pure volume. So, you know, in terms of variance, in terms of getting up uh, or making up points from the three-point line, the Bulls are always going to be maybe behind the curve in that sense. So, theoretically, like Vooch, what he brings offensively makes sense, but he, he the way he connects with DeMar and, and maybe, I guess, helps bring out those those elements of DeMar's game that aren't there, as well as the passing stuff that you mentioned there, Jason. Like, he, he is theoretically super important, but it, it is... It, it, there is a fine line between theoretical production and actual production. And, you know, I understand and I'm certainly not expecting them to trade him at the deadline, but this is, well, going into next, well, next season is his last year on, of, of his uh, contract. So you have to start be, you have to already be thinking about like, what are you doing yeah. with Vooch beyond this current sure. deal? Yeah. I think off season, yeah. if, if like this season does not go well, whatever, they fall short, he plays poor in the playoffs. I think you absolutely have to at least ex- look into possibly trading him and, getting an upgrade somewhere else like i said that's not, i don't think it's going to happen in the next month but uh in the off season i think it's definitely something they might have to look at if things go poorly yeah definitely agree and and, and i definitely uh, oh, 
I even further agree in terms of like if you trade for a different type of center, it's going to dramatically change the yep. way your team plays. And with you know this team, despite Vooch not necessarily being at his peak level, like they've they've found an identity. And if you suddenly go away from maybe his floor spacing ability, the passing that he brings from that um, that mid range area, the elbow area, and you bring in a guy like a Miles Turner or whoever it may be, like more of a rim running center type thing, like maybe like a Daniel Gafford type of player. It completely changes your identity on offense and, and what you can do on offense. So, I don't know. There's a lot of repercussions in trading Vooch, and I don't think they're going to, but it, I guess it's a conversation that we need to have in in part because he's just been really, you know, quite poor. And it's, it's just, he's just making it harder for me to defend, even though I would offend him to death in terms of the whole drop coverage thing. It's probably more on offense where um, he's leaving me hanging dry. So, I mean, tonight's game, today's game was just, I mean, it was painful. I mean, he missed how many bunnies and he was like not even close on most of his shots. And then, like, defensive, I mean, the, the effort like just wasn't there half the time. It was, it was bad. <laughs> it was so sad to watch him play in that, especially that first half. Zero points. I mean, you have no Zach, no Lonzo, and Booch, Mister All Star Center, has zero points in the first half. I mean, if him and Demar, him and Demar, I think were combined four of sixteen in the first half today. If they were even just like decent, they're right there in that game. They probably still lose. I mean, the Grizzlies are awesome, super fun. They probably still win in that second half. But like, you're at least competitive and in that game for at least a little bit more. Uh, it's just super disappointing that without without Zach there, that Vooch just came up so small today. Yeah, I think you made a really good point, Mark, about just like having to change your identity if you're going to move him because you are one selling super low on a guy that like, you know, is expensive and, you know, sort of at a premium. So you're, you're changing your identity. You're losing one of those three things of, you know, your pick and pop threat, your playmaking threat and, um, or your post threat. Uh, so I just think it's like, it's really hard because there's such a magnifying glass on whether the ball goes in or not with him. Um, and at the beginning of the season, it's like, okay, yeah, well, he's been super cold, but like, here are all these other things that he does well. And we can like tread water until he starts making it. But at a certain point, it's like the ball needs to go in. And um, like, even when you like go to him in the post, he's like just throwing the ball away. It's it's so weird. So I don't know. It's, I'm I'm conflicted about it. I don't think, you know, realistically they can do anything just because of how much they'll be losing uh, if they do like change their style of play um, and what that would mean for Demar and Zach especially. But um, they need somebody who can put the ball in the basket, and right now he can't do that. Yeah, definitely agree. And look, I, th- I thought the Vooch criticism after 20 or 10, 20 games into the season where it was really bad, I thought that was just way too reactionary. The sample size is way too small for me to uh, to buy into. And to be fair, you know, 30, 40 games is still a small sample, as we sort of noted at the top where, you know, the Bulls defensive rating has basically fallen 10 places over the space of a week. Um, a lot can change quite quickly in the NBA and maybe this sample that we're discussing with Vooch here is still a small sample and maybe over the next 40-odd games he gets it together. But um, as the games go on and as he continues to be on and off like this, it, it just makes it uh, makes it harder to defend. And, uh, you know, as a defender, um, yeah, it's tough for me. Uh, but <laughs> maybe it's maybe, maybe I'm, I'm more inclined to, to break away from Vooch after that Djokovic tweet the other day. But so maybe that's where my, my head my head's at. But we don't want to make the Bulls HQ a podcast too political. We've had that um, 
that feedback before <laughs> but uh I, I mean is there anything else that we need to cover off like I, maybe there's a few other topics like malcolm hill got signed to a two-way deal uh the balls wave devin dotson in, in his place any big take takeaways from that it was nice as an illinois guy it was nice to see malcolm hill uh get this chance he's played decent minutes here these last couple games and uh i mean with this with what their injuries right now with the guys they have out i think they like having that size on the wing so uh good for malcolm hill as an illinois guy it's nice to see that i don't really have anything else besides that because i'm assuming malcolm hill will not be playing important minutes when it matters at least hopefully not even though he's done some nice things but it's it's cool to see him get this chance well what was your favorite uh devin dotson moment I don't know, garbage time one game, like he just never played. Um, I, I want, I wanted Devin Dotson to be good, but, um, I think just this team has too many small guards and they need wings. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of it. Great career for Devin Dotson in Chicago. Hopefully, uh, he catches on someone else. I hope, yeah, I hope he lands somewhere where he gets to play. Like it just, he wasn't going to have that. I, I love his speed. Either. I loved his defense. He just, for whatever reason, the shot just couldn't come together. Maybe, maybe if it did, maybe he would have had more of a role, but, um, Seemingly wasn't going to get one here in Chicago, but hopefully he catches on somewhere else. But um, yeah, obviously we'll see. Is there is there any other talking points that we need to hit on before we uh, go watch Bulls Cavs in a couple of days? And I'm assuming there's a few hours coming up as we sort of discussed here. But anything that we haven't got to that we should? I think that's about it. We've covered basically everything here. I think pretty pretty. Yeah, I guess if there's anything else, it's probably going to be a, a sad topic. So maybe we, maybe we call it there just to um pick up our moods and maybe the listeners if they made it this far <laughs> along to uh to end the torture some but um thank you jason for joining us today mate on balls hq on this crossover podcast i was trying to think of names that we could maybe come up with this you know and on these crossover pods but nothing really works between bulls hq and cash consideration so uh, names like that have- so i can't help you there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, as am I, as am I. But uh, look, appreciate you jumping yep. on. Obviously, I'm sure everyone knows where to find you on Twitter as well as the podcast. But um, if in the rare occurrence that they don't know where to where to catch cash considerations or you online, where, where can they do so? Follow me on Twitter bull, at bulls underscore j. As you mentioned, cash considerations podcast with me and Ricky. Ricky was out this week, so I wanted to join you guys and then find my work. Bull stuff, Espionation bloggable. Wrote about the game today. Forbes, and then uh, do stuff at Clutch Points as well. I think that's everything. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was a, this was a fun time, even though uh, during a rough stretch of Bulls basketball. Try to try to make it interesting still. We've we've dealt with so much worse Bulls basketball in the last four years that we can deal <laughs> with a little rough patch here, and hopefully they turn it around soon. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. I mean, I watching Matt Thomas and Tony Bradley run pick, <laughs> and, roll, like, pick and roll today was <laughs> that was is pretty that like bad. Arch Felicio that was pretty stuff bad. again, basically. Yeah, it, it, it rivaled that. So um, hopefully, there's no there's no no more of that uh, upcoming, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. But who who the hell knows? But uh, where can people find you online? Uh, you can listen to my podcast Bulls HQ if you if you haven't listened to that yet. Um, <laughs> also, follow me on Twitter at Won't Gottlieb. I'll also just leave you guys with this. The Bulls are 27 and 14 right now. Last time they won 27 games in a season was 2017-18 uh, uh, under Fred Hoiberg when they went 27 and 55. So could be worse. I believe they are actually 27 and 15 though, I think. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. But, but they are now. Yeah. But, um, oh, the, the thing has that's all right. Still on top of the East. That's, <laughs> that's how we for end this thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
the balls are top of the east. That's all that matters. But um, you guys know where you can get me on Twitter at MK Hoops. Thank you for tuning into the pod. Um, we will be back at some stage, probably next week. Uh, I'm assuming we'll be t- <laughs> discussing a couple more losses. But who the hell knows? Maybe the Bulls get Caruso back, and that's all that the, all that matters. But um, be on the lookout for the next ep of, of cash considerations, as well as Bulls HQ in your usual typical spots in the feeds. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Speak soon, Bulls fans. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.